please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We begin our series on the church. This is the year of the church. God wants to instruct us on what it means to be his people, his body. So we turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Let us pray. Father God, give us ears to hear, eyes to understand the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know who we are and what you've called us to do. We ask for this now in Jesus' name, amen. The book of Ephesians is a masterpiece on the church that explains to us what God's plan is. And I begin at verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Messiah, who has blessed us in Messiah with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we need to take account of every spiritual blessing. I don't know how to begin counting how we'll ever understand the amount of blessing that God has given us in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Messiah according to the purpose of his will. Now this verse uh, divides the body of Christ instantaneously. We've got Calvinists and Arminianists, those of the Reformed who believe that there is particular election, that each person that came to Christ was elected by God before the beginning of time, that God chose some and not others. Still, that shows grace, that God would graciously choose some, but that also means that he didn't choose others to damnation and hell. All of us determined to go to hell after the fall, but God chose some to be saved. But that's not exactly what I believe this scripture is saying. The other point of view is that it's not particular or individual election. It is the election or the predetermined period of time where people would come through Christ. The predestination is in Christ. That's what was predetermined. The time when the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth determined when he would come, put on flesh, and invite all nations, all ethnos, all people into salvation through his divine work of giving his blood on the cross. That is what was predetermined or predestined in time. And God had a plan that in love, his love, God so loved the world, he gave the Son. So through Christ, God predestined an adoption and a way for men and women to come into his presence through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So let's read verses 9 and 10 to figure out what was the purpose of his will that he preordained this time for. And it says this in verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, here it is, it was hidden mystery, according to his purpose, his will and his purpose, which he set forth in the Messiah as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on the earth. 
there it is. That's the plan. That's the determination. That's what God had hidden and now revealed through Christ. His plan was in a particular time, Paul says in the fullness of time, that the predetermined act of Christ would open the heavenlies to whosoever would come, can come to Christ. The predestination, the predetermination was the time of Messiah. That's the plan. So that he could do what? So that he could unite humanity back to God. So that he could unite heaven back to earth. That's the predestined plan of God through Christ Jesus. How is he going to do that? He's going to do it through his body. Who is his body? We are. We are. In fact, he says this. You'll see over 10 times through these portions of, of first, uh, the first chapter of Ephesians, he says, in Christ or in him. In him. Everything, this plan, this predetermined plan, all of it happened in Christ. It was all determined to happen in him. And so it's in him and through him that his plan and will was executed to be accomplished. Amen? He says this in verse 5. He says, he predestined us for adoption. What was predestined? The adoption. The adoption through Jesus Messiah according to the purpose of his will. To reunite humanity with God. So adoption was part of the predestined plan that whosoever would come to him, for it's God's desire that none should perish, but whosoever would come through Messiah would be adopted, and it was God's adoption agency, is Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? And he goes on to say this in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption means purchased. He paid for it all. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. We couldn't accomplish this whatsoever on our own. He did it through his blood. He redeemed us. That's a word that means he paid for us through his blood. And it goes on to say, the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Man, his graces are so rich. His grace is his, his love being poured out to us. His forgiveness being poured out to us. How great is his grace? He gave everything. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took the judgment of God for us. He paid for it with his own blood so that we would be adopted into the family of God. And our sins would be completely eradicated by his sinlessness pure grace he goes on and he says this uh, I love this in verse 8 which he lavished upon us that word lavish means no restraint he didn't just give us a dab he didn't just give us a hug he didn't give us a kiss and a wink he gave us himself he lavished his grace on us. He lavished his love on us. You're not going to get to heaven by the skin of your teeth. There's no such thing as just barely making it. Everyone who will accept him will come to heaven fully redeemed, fully sanctified, fully paid for by his sacrifice, which he lavishes 
upon us according to the riches of his grace. And so he says this in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> that explains the salvation that we came to us. That truth, that good news, that gospel was preached. When you heard the truth, here's the key, you believed. And that's the key. You believed. And, and, and so that tells us that the election was the church age that God had predetermined to bring people in. And that proclamation was given to everyone, as Jesus told the parable, go into the highways and byways and invite everyone. But those who believed received salvation and then were what? Sealed by the Holy Spirit. You became his purchased possession. You belong to him. In verse 14 says that the sealing of the promise of the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You're sealed. You belong to God and God is going to fully redeem you. There is a day coming when our full redemption will give us new glorified bodies and we will live with him for eternity. Praise God. Adopted, purchased, and sealed by God's Holy Spirit. You belong to Him, and you are the church. This is a glorious thing. And Paul goes on now, after helping people understand, it is all to the praise of His glory. It is nothing you achieved, nothing you did. God presented all of His work, and you said, yes, Lord. And it is all to the praise of His glory. We will praise Him for all eternity. We will worship Him for all eternity. Look, at you weren't made to live in heaven. When we die and go to heaven, that's just until you get your resurrected body because the new Jerusalem, heaven is coming down back to earth. We were made to dwell in God's creation to rule and reign with him over the physical realm. And we will have all of eternity to praise him, to glorify him, to give praise to his glory. And do you know what is the pinnacle of his glory? Jesus Christ is the manifestation of his majesty, of his glory. I will give praise to the Lord all the days of my life and into eternity. There is so much we can't even grasp of God's greatness, God's majesty, God's glory. No flesh will glory in His sight. When we're in heaven, we're not going to go, ooh, that's Paul. Oh my goodness, look what he did. No, it's all going to be to the praise and to the glory of Jesus Christ. Once you understand this plan of God, you will be astounded. And this is why the Apostle Paul now prays for the church at Ephesus. He says this in verse 15, for this reason I pray for you. For what reason? Everything he just explained. 
That plan that was a mystery, that predetermined time when God was going to open the veil to the heavenlies for all mankind to come in and be adopted and sealed and received to become the body of Christ. Because of that, I need to pray for you. This is what I want to pray for you. That God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. You see, we can't grasp this thing. It's too big for us. The scope is way beyond our imagination. So Paul's saying as an apostle, I need to pray for you. I appreciate you, Ephesus, your faith, your love for the brethren. And I'm going to pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. Now, we already have the Holy Spirit. He said we're sealed in the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying here? The spirit of wisdom, the pneuma of wisdom. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to understand the act and will of God. God needs to pour out the spirit of wisdom on his church in these last days. How many of you know that? It's about time for the church to get back the wisdom it once had and the knowledge of why we're here and what we're supposed to accomplish. We need revelation knowledge of him. I mean, it's not enough to know the order of the books of your Bible. It's not enough to know that you're going to heaven. Oh, that's all good. But for us to be effective in this world, we got to know why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. And so we pray for the pneuma of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, not just having knowledge, but to have the wisdom coming from God to understand. And so he prays three things for the church to grasp in this wonderful, amazing plan of God. Number one, that you may know what the hope to which he has called you to. In other words, what is our calling as the church? God is speaking to the church and he's saying, you need to understand what you're about. Now, individually, you need to understand what you're supposed to be doing. We studied that last week when we looked at grace. We recognize what is the will of God for us to give thanks in all things, to pray without ceasing, and to care for the brethren, right? That's enough, but what is our calling? We're so used to everything in Scripture in the Western church, we're so used to such individualistic mentality. Anything we read, we think it applies to me. It's about me. It's for me. What's my will for God? What has God got for me? What does God want me to do? He's speaking to the body of Christ. You belong to a body. We belong to each other. We need to work in unity. Remember, the whole plan was to unify everything in Christ. So what is the hope of the church? What is the calling of the church? Does anybody know? It would be great if there was some message Jesus gave us that would like give us a commission, that would give us an understanding of what we're supposed to do. Wait a minute, didn't he say, now therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Our calling is to go to the ethnos, the ethnics, to all nations, to all people groups, and proclaim the gospel. And to teach them to obey the commands of Jesus. Well, before you can teach them, you got to know them. Are you following? Who wants to follow somebody who's not following the commands themselves? 
The church has got to get some wisdom and revelation knowledge. We've got to be obedient to the commands of Jesus before we can tell the world the benefits of them. That there is a blessing in all that Christ has for our lives. And so we need to know our calling, church. That's the first thing Apostle Paul prays for. The second thing he prays for is what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? You can look at this two ways. Some say, well, he's, what is his inheritance? Well, it's the saints. God's inheritance is, is us. He, we get all of his gifts and blessings. What does he get? You. <laughs> Me. Is it worth it? Yeah, he loves us. He so loves us. He gave everything for you and I. His joy is us. His pleasure is us. He so desires for us to be in fellowship with Him, in union with Him, adoring Him as He lavishes love on us. He wants a response back. Amen? Can you give Him a response back from time to time? Can you adore Him and love Him? But what Paul is praying for more than anything is that the church would understand what we're inheriting, the glorious riches that God has provided. What are those glorious riches? Well, I know. I watched TV the other night. It's a bigger SUV. It's a bigger house, more jewelry, and a lot of money. Oh, I need more money. Huh. That's what God has called us to, that we would have the knowledge and wisdom on how to become prosperous in this world. No, 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 man, that can't even mark the glorious nature of God himself. Give me God's love. Give me God's joy. Give me God's peace. Give me God's goodness. Give me his mercy. Give me his faithfulness. Give me his ability to control that self. Oh, I need the riches of his own nature in my life. In other words, you need to understand your calling. Once you understand your calling, if he called you, he will equip you. That's what the inheritance is, that he would equip us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Didn't we start out there? So what do you need to get the job done? If he's going to tell me to dig a ditch, I need a shovel. If he's going to tell me to win the lost, i got to have compassion. If he's going to tell me to reach those who are demonically possessed, I need authority to cast out demons. If he's going to have me minister and lay hands on the sick, I need the ministry of healing. I need revelation knowledge. I need wisdom. I need the gifts of the Spirit, and I need the fruit of his nature living in me. Can you say amen to that? That's the inheritance that's ours. He called you, Paul, saying, I'm praying for you because we've got a job to do. Understand why you're called and understand how he's equipped you, but that ain't enough. He prays for one third thing. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? You know, it's one thing to know and be sent to where you need to go and to have everything provided for you. But if I don't have electricity or gasoline to run this stuff, it ain't going to work. I need power over principalities and demons and authorities that I would cast Satan under my feet. I need the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in my life. If the church is going to reconcile all things back to God, we need the power to do so. The authority and the power. 
And that's what Paul's praying for in the church. Now, it wasn't just for this Ephesians church. It was a prayer that echoes throughout time and history. It is matching the very predetermined plan of God that as this church age is beginning to draw to a close, God is going to ignite his church with greater spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of him, of our calling, of what our, he has equipped us with, and the power. Let me explain to you the power, he says. He says this in verse 20, this power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In other words, there's no greater power or authority than Christ Jesus, and that's the power that is in the church. That's the power that's in each one of you. That's one thing to be saved, but it's another to begin to recognize in wisdom and revelation knowledge the authority I have in Christ Jesus. The authority you have when you pray. You pray in the authority above all other names, above all other dominions and authorities and principalities in the heavenlies, against sickness and disease and death and the grave. You have the authority of Christ Jesus. Use it in your calling. Be equipped with the inheritance he has given you. God holds nothing back, but gives all of it. Your calling your equipping, and the power. This is what the church must come to realize through revelation and wisdom that belongs to us. Why? Well, verse 22. Because he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. Let me just do a real quick anatomical study. All right? He's the head. We're the body. And where did he put all things? Under our feet. When he puts everything under the authority of Christ, it must come under the authority of the church, under the body. Why? Because we are his body, and look at what he says in verse 23, which is his body, his body, the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of Jesus Christ in the earth. Somebody get that, please. Somebody get that. You need the revelation knowledge. You need a spirit of wisdom to get this. Do you understand what's being said? Do you pray as if you are the fullness of Christ in the earth? You see what I mean? You, we're always praying, God, Jesus, hey, you are the fullness of Christ in the earth to do what? To fill all in all. The reason you're at the job you're at is to fill Christ into that cubicle because you need to be in that place. The reason you live 
on that house, on that city block, is so that Jesus fills in that spot so that more can be saved. The reason you went to Meyer last week or Walmart is because Jesus needed to fill aisle number 15 with his presence so that you could move and answer the needs because you were called there. You were called to do the work of the kingdom. You're equipped to do the work of the kingdom. You're empowered to do the work of the kingdom. You are the fullness of Christ. This is the church. This is the plan. Oh, how could we fall short of this plan? He's provided everything. All that's left is our obedience, brothers and sisters. Oh my God. All of this to the praise of His glory. If there's any failure, we've forgotten to glorify the Son of God. If there's any failure, we've stopped sharing the beauty of our Lord because we've been intimidated or it's inconvenient or we're just a little too shy or we're embarrassed of that name. But if the fullness of God were in you and you had the revelation of who He is, nothing could stop this church. Jesus said the gates of hell can't even prevail. The gates of death will not prevail. Nothing can defeat His church, which you are. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah.